Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We are so glad you've joined us today. If you have been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks for joining us this week, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Today we're going to continue in our series called Jesus Over Everything. And this is our third uh, installment, if you will. And as we said, you saw it on the screen, next Sunday is Vision Sunday. And I'm excited to, to share what God has uh, downloaded into my spirit for this coming year. We, we've been believing God in 2019 um, on, on every promise. We've been standing on the promises of God. That was 2019. For, for next Sunday, we have another word that we're going to focus on for 2020. And I'm not going to say the word now, so I have to stop. We're going we're gonna to share that next week. But uh, we just believe at Weston, as the Lord would allow us to see with not our eyes, but vision is what you see with your eyes closed. This is what next Sunday is going to be. Sharing what God has been speaking to, to me, to the leaders uh, of the church in regards to 2020. And I'm excited because God showed up in 2019. I'm excited because lives were saved in 2019, and we're going to believe God for bigger and better in 2020 for you and for your family. And so Jesus over everything. Today, with God's help, we're going to look in three dimensions through the scriptures, and I'll just tell them for you now so you kind of understand the framework, because then I'm not going to reference it. We're just going to move through it. So we're going to look at the Old Testament. Then we're going to look at the New Testament, and then we're going to look at the church. And when we talk about Jesus over everything, uh, we're going to specifically focus on God's power and God's authority. And we have to understand in the Old Testament that God showed up. God showed up in the New Testament. What does that look like? And then in the church today, which by the way, we're an extension or a continuation of the New Testament... What does it look like today for God's power and authority to be manifested? And I'm excited because Jesus is over everything. Well, you're not excited. Jesus is over everything. Amen. And it's not a question that I'm putting out there to see who agrees or doesn't agree. It, whether you, you choose to say amen or not, it's true. Jesus is over everything. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel, and if you are able, would you stand as we read a passage beginning at chapter 5, 1 Samuel 5, beginning at verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 5, verse 1. It'll be on the screen as well in the New Living Translation, but here's what it says. After the Philistines captured the Ark of God, they took it from the battleground at Ebenezer to the town of Ashdod. They carried the Ark of God into the temple of Dagon and placed it beside an idol of Dagon. But when the citizens of Ashdod went to see it the next morning, Dagon had fallen with his face to the ground in front of the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and put him in his place again. But the next morning the same thing happened. Dagon had fallen face down before the ark of the Lord again. This time his head and hands had broken off and were lying in the doorway. Only the trunk of his body was left intact. And I want to stop there, but let's pray before we move on. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, I thank you that your word has power to change us, but also, Lord, to reveal in us the truth of who you are. And Lord, I, don't, I, I pray that we would understand the word and that you would work in us, but, but the prayer is more than that today. I pray that you would move beyond that point to where you can work through us. And Lord, I thank you that you're still God and you're still on the throne. 
I thank you that Jesus is still over everything and that will never change. But I thank you for your church and I thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Jesus, you're continuing the work that you said you would do. And so we thank you, Lord. We ask that today you would open hearts, Lord, that you would speak and that, Lord, we would be empowered to go and change our world. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Now, it's a very interesting story that we find in this text. And let me just share a bit about Dagon and and what this God represented to the Philistines. So, uh, Dagon was the chief God of the Philistines. And they believed him for military power and also for the rains, which would then give them a bountiful harvest. So, for the military strength... And then also for the rains that would fall. This is what this God of theirs was about. And this was the chief God. And so the question that maybe you're not asking, but that I ask when I read through scripture, um, is this. Why did the Philistines, when they captured the Ark of the Lord, why would they have put it in the temple of Dagon? Right? And so you might think, well, they didn't understand what it was. No, they do. They understood that it represented the power of God, just like they would understand their idols. This one in particular, Dagon, represented power for the military, but also for the rain. Right? So they, they could acknowledge the ark of the Lord had power, but here's what they thought they could do they thought that they could take. The Ark of the Lord, which represents whose power? Let's say it again. It represents whose power? God. And they thought they could take this, put it in the temple of Dagon, next to the idol of Dagon, and it would subdue Israel's God. Thinking, you know, the power and the strength is is gone. Because we're bringing it close to our God. By the way, the God Dagon is a lowercase g, not a capital one. And this is what they believed. They believed that the ark represented the power and presence of God. But again, they thought by taking the ark of God into Dagon's temple, that they were actually taking control of Israel's God. And their point was to prove that Dagon was superior. So this was probably why they were doing this now we read it what happens the next morning they go Dagon is face down in front of the ark of the Lord so what do they do they pick it up and they put it back listen if you serve an idol a dead god it's going to require a lot of work on your behalf but but the second part is this the next day they come not only did the idol fall But the head broke and the hands broke off. You know, when you lose your head, you're dead. Right? And, sorry if that's a little graphic. I'm talking about the the statue, this idol. And what happens is that, and I didn't read it on purpose, but they were kind of like intrigued now. Like, what's going on? Because we thought that, like, this was going to subdue their God, the God of Israel. But instead, they just kept seeing their God falling and now broken. Well, a couple of verses later, I want to read it. In verse 6, it talks that there were plagues of tumors that began to grow on the people who were around that area. Listen, we're talking about the power of God being manifested here. And this is Old Testament, yes, but we're going to see in the New Testament and in the church as well. But listen, they, they were growing these plague these tumors all over the people that were nearby and they were basically getting sick and they were dying and then they realized that the ark of God represented a source of power get this greater than they had ever seen and so the power of God in the old testament was was made known by God personally and this ark of the Lord represented his presence It was representation, but God would show up. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, it talks about a pillar of cloud and a fire that would show up and he would lead his people that way. So God was personally involved then, and I want you to know that he's still personally involved today. 
It might not look the same, but I want you to know he's the same God. But today he does it a different way that he established in his word. We're going to understand it. But here's the thing. In the Old Testament, even if you could think of an example in the life of David, when Samuel showed up to anoint him, the Old Testament, it even talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon David and and moving mightily upon him throughout his life from that day forward. So there was the Holy Spirit, but it was not really an infilling or an indwelling. In the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit would come upon people. And so New Testament is very different. Church today, it's very different. But we still see God using um, different means to show, hey, I'm God and you are not. And, and God is a God of power. And if it, the Philistines, every enemy that, that Israel had, God was ready and willing to take care of them. And, and I want you to know, church, be encouraged that he is the same God today. That we, we don't just sing some of these songs like, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Right? It's because God is the one who still wants to fight our battles. God is the one who still shows up. But there was only one condition placed on his people. It was when they would do their own thing and sin. The Bible says repeatedly in the Old Testament that they did what was right in their own eyes. And then God let, let them go do their thing. Okay, you want to do that? Go, do it. But he said, I'm not going to move. And then they would realize again. They would come back. And then God would move on their behalf. And so it, the question again is never where is God? Although that seems like that's the first question I want to ask. But the question I have to learn to ask is, Jonathan, where are you in position to where God is? And then usually I'll say, oh, I'm, I'm, okay, God, I get it. I get it. it. It's me who kind of sidestepped. But God, I'm coming back. And that's why songs like, like this last one that we sang, they really speak to the heart. And they remind us of what's most important. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry when I come with my own intent or my own plan. Or I just, I just want to get from you as opposed to I just want you. And so this is God's heart for his people. And this is what God is willing to do. He's, he's saying to the Philistines, you think you have it figured out. But look, he said, I'm the God of power. And your idol is, is cracked and broken. Jesus over everything. The title or the subtitle for today's message is no one and nothing. Because there's no one and there's nothing that's greater. No one and nothing. There's no idol that can take the place of Jesus or can be more powerful. And there's no person who can take or trump what Jesus has already done for us. And so there's no one and there's nothing greater. And so that's the Old Testament. Just one example from a whole bunch of books that you could read um, and see how God moved on behalf of his people, but displaying his power over what, what human logic would say, displaying his power over idols, man-made things, and, and over uh, people as well. But in the Gospels, we're going to get to the New Testament, that the, we see the power and authority of God manifested through the life of Jesus. So in the Old Testament, God would show up. And God would do it. In the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, we see that the power and authority of God is manifested through the life, the person of Jesus Christ. You know, he was a man of power and authority. But the Bible says he didn't walk around like that. Right? Philippians chapter 2 tells us his posture of his heart, that he humbled himself and he became like one of us. He, so he could have claimed to all his rights, but then he chose to, to put on flesh and walk this path like you and I. And so Jesus, though he was fully God, became fully man. Though he was the king, he could have held on to all of that. Uh, just this week, we heard all, all the news about Meghan and Prince Harry. Because I, I try to stay on top of that kind of stuff. But they're, they're relinquishing their 
their name and all of that kind of stuff um, to live a more normal life. Uh, Jesus, you know, letting go of his, uh, his position, so to speak, it, it wasn't so that he could live a normal life. That wasn't his heart. He became one of us. And his heart was sinful world back to God, my Savior, and, and just connect a broken, sinful world back to God, my Father, then I need to associate and I need to understand and I need to be able to relate. You see, Jesus came to relate to us, but he died to redeem us. And it's important that we understand that distinction. He, he, yes, he let go of his rights, not so that he could just come and, and just be normal. No, he came because he was on mission. He came, why? Because he had to demonstrate the power and authority of God through his life, through his ministry. And his ministry was marked with signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. His ministry was marked with signs, and they'd never seen someone like this walk this earth. There was a lot of Uh, There were a lot of prophecies in the Old Testament about someone who would come and and the lame will will walk and the the blind will see. But they didn't understand it until they began to see this man called Jesus. And he ushered in a new era of supernatural ministry. And yesterday I was just thinking through some of the things um, that Jesus is through Scripture. And here's just a very short list. Jesus is the first but also the last. He's the beginning, but he's also the end. He's the head of the church, but he's also the the foundation of it. He's the chief cornerstone, but he's the stone the builders rejected. He's the one who always was, but who is still to come. He's the author who starts it, but he's also the finisher. He's the lion, but also the lamb. The son of God, but also the son of man. He's fully God, but became fully man. The sinless and spotless Lamb of God, He is, but He took the curse of our sin upon Him. He was alive, then He died, and now He lives forevermore. He's the name above all names, and He's Jesus over everything. And this is what He does, and it's who He is. But through the life and ministry of Jesus... We see the power and the authority of God manifested. What do you mean, pick up your mat and walk? What do you mean your sins are forgiven? And so Jesus says, listen, when they lowered the friend through the roof. And he says, is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or to pick up your mat and walk? Right? Obviously, The one you could see, the one you can't. So how would they really know if the sins were forgiven? But then when he picked up his mat and walked, if that can happen, then he had the power and authority for that to happen. And this is who Jesus is. And he's a representation of God's power and authority flowing through his life and through his ministry. Philippians chapter 2, I quote this a lot and I've said it a lot the last few weeks in this series, but listen to what it says, Philippians 2 verse 9, Therefore God elevated him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of to make Jesus their Lord other. You know, at the end of service, when we ask, is there anyone who wants to make Jesus their Lord and Savior? Do you know why I ask, let's pray and repeat this after me? Because scripture says that we ought to confess with our mouth in Romans that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. That is why we, that's the confession that has to come out of our mouth. And the Bible says, and you will be saved. And so there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, this is what we call in in church world, the Great Commission. The Great Commission, it's not the great suggestion, um, but it's something that if you're a believer, this should be your life's mission and mandate. That verse 18, Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all 
authority. And I'm going to give you the Greek word for that in this context, exousia. And I'm going to explain it in a, in a minute. So if you do take notes, this is good to just write authority, Matthew 28, 18, exousia in the Greek. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, as a result of what? That he's been given power and authority. He's saying to them now, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, if you know Scripture and you know what happens with Jesus after this, He ascends to heaven. But Jesus, you just said you would be with us even to the end of the age. So here's, here are the three parts. We said in the Old Testament, God showed up. His spirit dwelt upon people or came upon people. Like it says about David, that when, the spirit, when he was anointed, the spirit of the Lord came upon him and was with him mightily from that day on. That's Old Testament. Jesus is saying, I will be with you even to the end of the age. But guess what? Then Jesus ascends to heaven and he's seated at the right hand of God. But Jesus said, I must go. Why? So the helper could come. The advocate. Who's that? The Holy Spirit can come. I need to go. And where he's going, he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But I must go so that the helper can come. How many of you need help? Right? We have a helper. His name is Holy Spirit. His name is Holy Spirit. He's the comforter. He points us to all truth. He's the, he's, he's the, the way that God, through his church today, empowers you and I to continue the work that Jesus started. So Jesus over everything, no one and nothing greater. So in the New Testament, leading up to church today, The power and authority of God is manifested through the church, follow me for a second, through the church, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have the name of Jesus, but then we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's where I want to talk for a bit about power. And I don't know if I've shared this in the past, so some of you, it'll just be a refresher for you. Others, you may have never heard this distinction of the word power in the Greek, but we're gonna, it's going to help us understand Scripture even more. So power in Greek has two translations. There's dunamis, where we get our word dynamite power, and there's exousia. They both are power in the English language, but both have very different meanings and connotations and applications in Scripture. So the example I always use is a police officer, right? Put that thought on hold for a second. If someone comes to, uh, I'm parked in the parking lot and someone comes and bangs on my window, I might roll it down or I might just speak through the glass if I don't know who they are. And I might just say yes. And if they're like, sir, I need to, you to step out of your vehicle. I, I'm probably not going to do that. Right? Because I don't know who they are. On what authority are you speaking and all of that. But if they show me a badge. And it's clear they're a police officer. And they're saying, sir, step out of the vehicle. Guess what? I'm going to step out of the vehicle. Not because I'm afraid. They don't have power like dynamite dunamis well no what they're showing is exousia they're showing the badge which allows me to understand in a moment's notice the authority that the police officer has let's i'm assuming he's off duty if we see an officer who's in full uniform standing in the middle of an intersection no one's going to wonder what in the world is that man doing in the intersection and chances are he's probably you know calling the shots as well, leading traffic. It's not because he has a gun that you're, you're going to obey, correct? That, that's the dunamis. It's because of exousia, the authority that the uniform carries. When you see an officer, you slow down, you do all the right things, you wait for him to signal, and, and we, we obey all the laws of the road like we should all the time. 
And that's the interesting thing. So that's exousia. Now, on the other hand, if he pulls out a gun, that's dunamis. That's like, oh, okay. Um, it's not even because you have a badge or a uniform. If anyone pulls out a gun, that's displaying the dunamis. Because there's a power that comes uh, as a force behind that. And so Jesus, back to Matthew 28, 18, I said, just write exousia. So he's saying all authority. He's not saying dunamis as power. He's saying exousia. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus is saying, I'm over everything. And because of that, I'm sending you out. And you're not going on your own. I'm with you every step of the way. And this is the promise to the New Testament church from the book of Acts all the way up to 3350 Weston Road Church for everyone that's here today. That we have access to the power and the authority if we call ourselves a Christian. And, you know, as a, as a pastor uh, here in the province of Ontario, I can take a man and a woman who are single And because of the authority, this is the exousia, vested in me as a reverend, registered in the province of Ontario, I can pronounce them husband and wife. And because of my authority, what they've worked hard to abstain from for the first 20 or so years of life, can now be enjoyed and it's not considered sin. Think about that. Exousia. And God has given every single one of us access to power and authority. And I'll tell you in a, right now what it is not. It is not for personal gain. It's not. Because if we abuse what God has given us, well, guess what? If he gave it freely, he could probably withdraw it. And Saul was placed as the king over Israel. And when Saul thought, you know what, it's... Let me sacrifice, the phrase, it's better to obey than to sacrifice, uh, was born out of what Saul did out of his impatience, where he wanted, uh, he knew that the sacrifice was very important to God. If you read Old Testament, you'll see it. But he was waiting for the prophet Samuel to come, but he said, it's taking too long, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And Samuel said to him, obedience is better than sacrifice. And because of that, God started, he basically said, I'm going to remove you from the throne. David was the next king that God had in mind. And it's amazing that uh, we have to understand it. The power is amazing. God wants to move, not just in you, but through you. But, but here's the thing. If God gives it, it's a big responsibility we have. It's a big responsibility. We have to carry the, the name of Jesus because I represent him. Not, not me, I'm saying me as a Christian, that's all of us. We represent him, and now he gives us access to pray for sick people and see them healed. Okay, two people agreed with scripture. He gives us authority. He said, go, lay your hands on the sick and see them recovered. Cast out the demons. Set people free. This is what he empowered the, his church, you and me, to do as believers And so there's a great responsibility. Listen, if the Christian walk or the Christian life is just simply showing up to church and, and just simply saying all the right words during the song, making it through a 35-minute sermon and walking out, you've missed the point. And I've said this many times. We're not in this. We're not interested in playing church. We are the church, and we exist for the world. Can somebody say Amen. And it's a big call, it's a big challenge, but it's been, it's been the ministry of the church ever since this book was written. And we have to take the responsibility seriously. And so, you know, when we're talking about the power and authority, you know, we think a lot about uh, our identity. And, and today I want to set people free in the room today. Let me just walk through what I mean. You know, the question of, Who am I? It matters because God created you uniquely and specifically that you're gifted unlike any other. You know, all the snow we had, apparently they say that there's not one snowflake that's the same. Think about it. If, this, if God cares enough about snowflakes, 
how much more does he care about the billions and billions of people on the earth that he created and he fashioned and he, he knit together in each of our mother's wombs. And so identity is important, but at the same time, the power and authority of God displayed through my, my life is not about me. It's not about us. And so the question, well, who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm a nobody. I'm somebody, but, but I'm nobody special. I'm not more favored than someone else. Um, so the question, who am I? Well, uh, I'm nobody special, but I do know my identity in him. That I'm a child of, of the king. You see, when I, up, when I operate under covenant, I have certain delegated authority that I can pronounce things and they are. I'm going to say that again. When I operate under covenant, what do I mean? In my covenant relationship to God my Father, then I have certain delegated authority that, like we said, I can pray for people and see them healed. That I can uh, preach the word and then see people saved. And that's not just because I'm a pastor. It's our calling as we're all ministers of the gospel in the, new, in the new covenant. And so through the church, we see God's power and authority now. And it's in the name of Jesus. That's our authority. Exousia. The authority is in the name of Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the dunamis. So we have access to both words, dunamis and exousia. One is through the name of Jesus, and that's the exousia, the authority. And then one is through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that is the dunamis. Listen, John 14 verse 12 says this, I tell you the truth, Jesus' words, anyone who believes in me, whoa, 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 who, who, back up for a second, who? Anyone. Again, who am I? Nobody special. Who are we? We are a special group. But follow me for the point of this sermon. We're just regular people. We are ordinary people. We're not freaks. We're not supernatural. We're, we're regular people. But here's the secret. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. Why? Because I'm going to be with the Father. And Jesus was saying, I have to get out of the way. Guys, I've done my three years of ministry here on the earth. And, and he was saying, now it's your turn. Now you're going to go. Now you're going to be released. And that's what he was saying. Go into all the world and make disciples. You've, you've seen me do it. You've patterned. You saw the pattern I set, the model I, I showed you. Now he's saying, go. Do it. But you're not going to be alone. You have the authority in the name of Jesus, and then you have power through the Holy Spirit. So church, listen, tomorrow when you go back to work, you have power, wonder-working power. It's not ordinary. We might be ordinary, but this power is out of this world. That God has chosen us, and he said, I'm going to put it in my church, not so that it stays within the four walls of a building when they're gathered, but I'm going to put it in my church so as they scatter on Monday and go all over the GTA, that they have access and we're going to see this world transformed for Jesus. Power and authority is in the name of Jesus. If you have your Bible, turn to the New Testament, Acts chapter 3, and we're not going to read chapter 3, but I just want to start there. But chapter 4 is really what I want to emphasize. In Acts chapter 3, there's a lame man who's been lame, notice, since birth. And he's obviously not able to walk. They see him every day at the temple. And Peter and John walk by. And the amazing thing is that um, he's looking for money. I've preached this before. You can probably find it on the podcast. But the reality is he's asking for alms, for charity, for donations, right? Because this is his problem. Instead, they say, listen, we don't have silver and gold. So you might have nothing in your pocket, but you still have everything to offer people tomorrow. Listen, silver and gold we don't have. What we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. I want to say it again. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. What were they exercising? Power, but what kind? The exousia. In the name 
of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. Not, um, you know, how did Jesus do it again? No, the authority is in the name. And that's why we pray in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So they say, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And guess what? He did. Now, someone who's never walked before, who starts taking his first steps, I could only imagine, but a few verses later, it says he walks into that temple, running and leaping and praising God. And it must have been an amazing, amazing thing to see, but guess what? We see that the, uh, the leaders in the temple were unhappy with what happened, and they start to question what, what's going on here? What, what are you guys doing? And I want to to just draw out from Acts chapter 4 now because Peter and John are before the council and they're kind of having to answer for their, their actions for stepping out in the name of Jesus and healing this man who was never able to walk before. And so beginning of chapter 4, you can read it later, they're in front of the council and they're asked a specific question in verse 7 and I just want to read it because the weight of the question is so serious. It says, they brought in the two disciples, Peter and John, and demanded, listen, by what power or in whose name have you done this? So, power and authority. So, they're questioning them, and they want to understand. By what power, dunamis, or in whose name, exousia, authority, have you done this? And I love how... They respond, Peter and John, listen, the Holy Spirit gives you boldness. That's one of his main functions uh, in Acts chapter 2 as you read. It gave the early church boldness to preach the gospel and to not back down and to not be afraid of what others might think about their faith. They were ready to do the work that Jesus said they had to do. My question for each one of us, are we still on mission just like they were and ready and willing to do what Jesus has asked us to do as the church? You can't answer it maybe all with one hand raised, but it's a question that we have to answer for ourselves and collectively uh, I'm going to lead our church to continue the mission, always. Acts chapter 4, it continues in verse 16 because they don't back down. Listen, I want to read it. And what should we do with these men? The council's asking. They asked each other, we can't deny that they've performed a miraculous sign and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, what's the propaganda? The gospel, that Jesus died and rose again. Because, by the way, the council, they didn't believe in the resurrection either. We must warn them not to, but to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further. We must warn them not to speak to anyone. But listen, it's very specific. In Jesus' name again. They didn't say that they can't talk to anyone. They were actually saying, don't speak to anyone in the name of Jesus again. I think it's really interesting. Verse 18 continues. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. You think, what's wrong with these people? (laughs) Right? What's wrong? The guy was healed. What can't you understand? But the reality is people today in this world are no different. That if you open up your mouth and you declare Jesus is king. I'm going to a little, little hat tip to Kanye. Jesus is king. The world is going to look at you different. They're going to, huh? I thought you were just cool. <laughs> now you're, you're one of them or you're weird. And this is what the world will do. They were commanded to not speak in the name of Jesus again. Commanded. Like meaning, you're going to be reprimanded. And they said, I want to continue just reading what what their response was. Verse 19, but Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. And so, church, when people ask you, who are you? I mean, we think identity right away. But in the kingdom, that question is actually asking about authority. 
who are you, is actually the question is, whose are you? And we answer it with authority. And it has nothing to do with who you are, but whose you are. And if you're a child of the king, when people ask you, well, who are you? I'm a child of the one true king. Jesus over everything. This is how it is. In the gospel, this is how it was in the early church. And I'm excited to tell you, church, that it's still the same today in his church. Listen, you have more authority in Christ than you realize. Because it's not a matter of who you are, but whose you are. So you have authority. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the inkling that we have is, I need to bring this person to my pastor so that he could pray for them. When we're talking about authority in this context, it's saying, no, you don't need to do that. You have been given a measure of power, of God's power and authority, that you can start to exercise your faith in these areas and allow God's power to be made known and manifest through your life. Because this is his plan for the church. When we close a service and I say, hey, service is over, but church is not. What, is, what does that mean, Pastor John? Tell me. It means that we are the church wherever we go. And whoever you meet, you have the power and the authority. You have the name of Jesus and you have the power of the Holy Ghost to, to speak life into dead situations. And wherever you go, you're God's people. Wherever I go, I'm his hands extending. And so church, we need to realize that the world might not welcome us. They might even say stop. You know my, my experience at the McDonald's, to just go back to that story. When I told this one girl that I was the pastor of the church, she goes, oh, I, I know the building. I, 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 and she keeps saying I'm going to come, I'm going to come. And, you know, I, I, weeks go by, I don't see her, then I see her again in the drive-thru. And then every time, I don't even ask anymore, and she's like, hey. She goes, I'm going to surprise you one of these days, I promise. But I'm not putting pressure. But here's the thing, she knows. She knows. She knows where we are, and that's, that's the thing. What do you do if people, and she's welcoming, she's not saying stop or don't talk. She's saying, I, I know, I want to come. The reality is, people, we have to look for opportunities to share the gospel. Because Jesus is over everything. People are going through problems and they don't understand that Jesus is the hope of all the world. They don't understand that his name is the hope of all the world. When, when there's, you know... I don't know if you've ever been in a car accident. I have been. I totaled my car. And that's how I knew I had to hurry up and tell Priscilla I liked her. Because I was like, if I never made it through, she would have never heard me say that I was interested to know her. But the reality is, you know, I think there are two kind of responses when you're about to go into a collision or you kind of anticipate. You know, one word is a swear word. And on the other hand, it's the name of Jesus. And I'm not judging anyone in the room if you've said both at the same time. I don't know. I'm just here to say that people who don't understand what God has done, people who don't understand Jesus and everything that he is and everything that he's done, they don't know that there's a name above every other name. They don't understand that there's a name by which they can call on and be saved. They don't understand that there's a God who loves them so much that they sent Jesus to come into this world for them. And we have to understand, church, if, if they're never going to pick up this book, perhaps, but maybe you're going to be the first introduction that they're ever going to have to the gospel. And my call to each and every one of us is we have to rise up. If Jesus said, I'm over everything... I'm above and not beneath. We have to understand that this applies to our lives. That we have to walk around knowing that what I hold are the keys of life for people who are dying. And I have to be willing to unlock the door for them to see the Jesus that's in me. His power on display. No one else and nothing else is greater than Jesus. Can you say amen? Listen, as the team comes, we're going to sing in a second, but I want to declare over us. I didn't write this next part, but it's a song from uh, the youth ministry of Planet Shakers. It's a song actually called Jesus Over Everything. And, and in the middle of the song, there's a guy who raps this. I'm not going to try to rap. 
But I want to declare over every life that's here today the truth of God's word. And I want to declare it over your situation that he is Jesus over everything. Jesus over every temptation ever aimed against us, over sin and depression, over fear and sickness, over emptiness and loneliness, over silence and shame, over the potential that we've wasted seeking acceptance and fame, over racism and hate, over violence and rage, over every substance we've ever taken trying to avoid all the pain, over success and popularity, over pride and vanity, over every attempt we've made to try and escape our reality, over the search for identity, over the enemies of our destinies, of the lives of our past that will try to keep us from where we were called to be, over everything that we're supposed to want or supposedly need, over money and possessions, things we're meant to sell out to, over the gods of our generation, things we're meant to bow down to, over every name and atmosphere. He's Jesus over everything. He's Jesus over everything. Would you stand to your feet this morning? John chapter 1 verse 12 simply says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave them the right to become children of God. Did you know the root word of right is power? He gave them the power to become children of God of God and you're here today hearing a message that Jesus is over everything but maybe he's not Lord of your life maybe you've been going at, at it alone the hard way that the same God who but I want you to know if you're here that the same God who displayed his power in the Old Testament and then was made manifested through the life and ministry of Jesus, and then through the early church in the book of Acts, all the way up to the church, Weston Road, and every other church that proclaims Jesus as Lord, that he's here with power and might. And if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is the most important thing and the most important decision in this moment that will affect the rest of your life. It would be my honor and privilege to lead you in a prayer. Again, because it's out of the confession of our mouth that we have to say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And so if you're here today and, and you've never made that your confession out of your mouth, you've never said, I want you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior, it would be my humble honor and privilege to give you that opportunity to pray. So here's what we're going to do. In the, I'm just going to simply, our heart in all of this is not to put anyone on the spot, uh, to embarrass anyone. Uh, I understand if you have a, you know, a whole bunch of things that you've done in your past, there could be shame tied to that. But today it ends in the name of Jesus. And our heart's not to embarrass you. Our heart is simply to connect you to Jesus. And by doing that, we want to pray. We want to put a Bible in your hand after the service and just give you the opportunity. So all I'm going to say is if you want to pray that prayer for the first time, I'm going to count to three and then we're going to pray. But if you're here and you're like, Pastor John, I need Jesus in my life and I want to make him Jesus over everything in my life. Would you slip your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. If there's anyone here, let me see your hand. And we're going to pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see, see those hands. Yes, yes. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray, and I'm going to invite everyone to pray together as we join in. And then we're going to worship in a moment. And we thank you, Lord. Come on, church. Let's, let's pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you are still the Savior of my soul. 
I thank you for your word which challenges me to step up to the call. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins that I might be made whole. Thank you that my past is covered. My present is yours. And my future hopes and dreams are yours. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Thank you for saving me and for ministering to me today. I give you my life. I surrender all to Jesus. Jesus, would you be over everything? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord today for souls? Listen, if you prayed that prayer, uh, I want to just say this, that um, we want to just give you some steps that you should take. Number one is to go and meet Pastor Miguel through these doors at the end of the service. We simply want to connect with you, give you a Bible, and uh, just start off this journey on the right foot in that way. But then secondly, we encourage you to find a church. If you are a guest today and you've made this decision and you may not have a home church, uh, I would just put it out there that maybe this would be a good church that you should attend and, uh, and just start this journey. Number three, get connected. And we start Connect Night this Friday and I highly encourage you. One of the best ways to grow in your faith is to not do life alone. And so we want to encourage you to come out Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Uh, for Connect Night. Listen, we are not interested in playing church. We are the church and we exist for the world. As we go, I just want to say this. If, if anyone here needs prayer, I'm going to just be waiting right here at these altars. If you need prayer, I want to pray with you. And then I'll simply uh, pray and dismiss now. But know that these altars are open if you want prayer. Father, I thank you today for life transformation. I thank you for Jesus. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. There, there is no one like you. And God, I just thank you that we are an empowered church. That, Lord, we, we are not slaves to sin, but we are victors in the name of Jesus. And, Father, as we go from this place, there is a whole mission field waiting for us. And, Lord, we don't go as weak, frail humans, but we go as an empowered people to transform our city. So, Father, we thank you that even though this service is coming to a close, church is not. And, God, may your spirit go with us in power and in might. Lord, manifest your power and your presence in our week, I pray, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.